Hello everybody and welcome back to another short stories edition of Two Girls One Book Podcast. Um and we're back to talk about the remaining gazillion books um that Hannah's read uh, and a few of, of mine as well. <laughs> um I'm Rhiannon, just if in case you didn't know. <laughs> I'm Hannah. I mean, hopefully people people will know by now. Uh, but but there we go. Um, my tummy's just started rumbling, ready for my dinner. So hopefully it won't be too audibly loud. <laughs> <laughs> but apologies if there's some little gurgles going on here. Um, we're we're only human. We're not just glamorous podcasters <laughs> in our frocks. Um, I don't feel very glamorous today at all had a day in front of the computer so anyway right let's go um so obviously hannah's gonna start first because she's got more books okay so what what you're kicking off with i am kicking off with a a real fun little one which is outlawed by anna north waving a very pretty book at rhiannon yeah been on my to be read list for so long i feel like i bought it way back in like january february when we started the podcast like right this is what i'm gonna do i think this this was in your pile of books no the the doc martin's post that went mad yes well maybe that was in that i need to post more of it then (laughs) yeah maybe you do um well, I finally got round to reading it in my... I know um, Rhiannon mentioned in the last episode that I ended up self-isolating for nine or ten days because my other half um, tested positive for COVID. So he's fine, just in case anyone was, like, worried about him. He's perfectly all right. Um, <laughs> that was a cliffhanger from last time. <laughs> yeah, we just left We just left everyone wondering whether just he was all right. But um, that's good. Good to know he's all right. Yeah, he's good. I mean, if he wasn't, and I just carried on merrily reading my books, then I would <laughs> I would worry about about how good of a partner I was. Um, yeah. So this came out of my to be to be read jar in my isolation, and I thoroughly enjoyed it. I wasn't really sure what good. to expect. Um, all I'd seen was feminist western, which is two words that speak very very deeply to me I love an old school western and I love a little bit of feminism so really enjoyed it it was still a little bit unexpected in that the story didn't necessarily lean the way that I thought it was going to lean okay but it leaned even better than I thought it was going to lean um I don't really want to I don't really want to go into it in too much detail because I do feel like it's a little surprise that I enjoyed and I don't want to ruin that for anyone who wants to read it because it was a little like, yay, surprise. I thought it was very well written, quick paced. The story kind of moves fast, which is I think kind of what you'd expect. I was thinking about the old Western movies that I used to watch and thinking about how many of them were actually only just over an hour long where you compare them to movies of these days that are like two and three hours long yeah um everything kind of happens in that formula of um kind of revenge retribution the story plays out quite quickly the same as an old school western um but there's some great lgbtq plus representation that i wasn't expecting um a little history lesson in terms of um I guess it's not really a spoiler. The main character trains alongside her mother as a midwife in the 
the west the wild west in the kind of 1860s um and there's a lot of information about women's health in that time and midwifery in particular which i didn't know and was very interested to learn um it seems like it's very well researched and really well written i enjoyed it a lot and i feel like i'm telling people about book that everyone has already read so it seems a bit a bit um i've not (laughs) well i think you'd probably enjoy it i think it fits into your historical fiction comfort blanket albeit a slightly different era maybe or different kind of setting yeah um but yeah i really enjoyed it and i flew through it it was a very quick easy read nice so yeah cool and it does look very pretty so you know we always like a pretty book my first one um from today is going to be the disaster tourist which again is one of my little translated reads um by uh yun ko yun um and it's a really uh really interesting little book this one's this one I did find weird. Um, so after talking last last episode about the convenience store woman, which everyone said on the blurb that it was weird, but I didn't really find it weird. This one I started to find weird. It was slightly, it started to get a bit more quirky and definitely dark because it's, it's kind of a thriller. Um, it said on the back it's been shortlisted for the CWA, I don't know what that stands for. Crime Fiction in Translation. <laughs> Dagger 2021. So whatever that means, it sounds impressive. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so on the back it says, an extravagant, clever, unpredictable story that walks the razor edge of horror comedy, which I get that. Um, yeah, it, there's sort of tongue-in-cheek comedy again i think it's just because it's it it can be so dry um and cutting so um but it it does turn into a real satire type thing it starts off fairly normal um yona is our uh, protagonist female female protagonist who is um at the mercy of the patriarchy in her in her job um and she uh, there's a lot of stuff that goes on in her work and basically she's sent away on a trip um so her the company that she works for is called jungle um, and they specialize in tourist trips to disaster locations so anywhere that's had stuff happen tsunamis volcanoes all of that kind of thing um and she well from the back i'll say when one of yona's bosses sexually harasses her the company tries to bribe yona with a free tour to mui an island off the coast of vietnam known for its giant sinkhole so that's where she's headed okay um and it kind of starts out normal we go we we go on the tours of the sinkholes and they she she does the trip so she's basically a trip planner within this jungle um the company Uh, but this isn't one of the trips that she's planned this is one of the trips that's at risk of being cancelled because it doesn't get booked enough 
Okay. Um, so she's kind. She's going as a a reporter basically to tell them what what's what. Um, so there's lots of stuff uh, within this, um, but yeah, all is not what it seems. Things start to go downhill pretty pretty quickly uh, when she gets marooned on on the island without any of her fellow um, trip buddies. And yeah, there's quite a lot of serious points that are are raised. There's about social cleansing and uh, the effect of tourism um, on the environment and on society and yeah for a tiny little book again it's it's less than 200 pages they sure fling in a load of like serious stuff to these <laughs> to these books <laughs> um but i i did really enjoy it i have to say um yeah it's kind of a surreal a surrealist weird this one's weird yeah but <laughs> it sounds really but interesting good. yeah cool i'd recommend it good fun okay i'll put it on my list i think i need to start reading more of these little books because i keep carrying mm. around huge big like hardback books everywhere and i'm a bit like i've just come back from holiday with like i took however many book stacks with me just ready to pose everywhere i went <laughs> so i need some small books that i can just easily yeah. put in a bag um yeah. my next one deals with racial and um, social class divides and things but it's quite an old book comparatively this is from um 1998 it is caucasia by danzy senna and i had never heard of it before but i'm waving this lovely multicolored no. cover at rhiannon um so it's the debut novel of the author danzy senna who i've since um, researched and has written a lot um she i it's not quite autobiographical biographical but she has drawn from her experience as a biracial child in america and um written this family saga i guess um set in 1970s boston in massachusetts and it focuses mainly on um the main character is birdie who we meet as a very young child she is um the daughter of a black father and a white mother but she looks very much like a white child and her sister Cole looks very much like a black child. Um, both of their parents are highly intelligent and um, involved in kind of political activism, race, racial activism um, in the 1970s. And there comes a point where they make the decision, partly because their relationship's breaking down and partly for safety, that the sister's father, who is black, should leave the country for his own safety because it's not safe for um, black Americans at that time. Um, still isn't for the majority. And the yeah. mother who is, she's the one who's been a little bit more involved in the kind of activism side of things. So she feels like she's under threat from the FBI. Um, she takes Birdie and goes on the run and Cole, the sister, goes abroad with the father. Um, so it's a, a study in identity as a biracial child in America, but also focuses on the relationship between sisters and they have a very close relationship as young children 
and then to be separated at those kind of formative ages and see how they find their identities on their own. Um, obviously, Birdie knows that her father is a, is black, but she's forced to pretend that she's white and that whole half of her identity doesn't exist. Um, okay. It's very well written, really interesting. What I'd said in my review is that I wish she would have written four separate stories from all of their points of view because mm. I want to know what happened to Cole when she went away with their dad. How did she grow up? How did she struggle with her identity? Um, and also the parents who seemed, both of them, as I said, super intelligent. Um, the father is a lecturer in race studies. The mother is this political activist. I want to know everything that they've done. I want to know their stories. Um, I really, really enjoyed it. I flew through it. It's really well written. And if you haven't read it, um, it's one to pick up, even though it's an older one. I think it's still relevant and still important, even 15 years later. It sounds like The Vanishing Half, Brit Bennett um, uh-huh. book. It, I mean, because that's a similar sort of thing where we've got two sisters and one grows up and lives as a white uh adult and one as a as a as a black woman yeah um so yeah maybe that i i don't know whether Britt bennett took inspiration from that book who knows but um if you liked that then you like the vanishing half and maybe vice versa okay um yeah so yeah, yeah i didn't even that think of that like connection. an interesting one but yeah, that yeah. sounds, um, it sounds very similar. I can, I remember talking about yeah. that one and actually, yeah, it does. And I think it's that kind of, yeah. the writing from someone with, a, with an experience of that. Yeah. So obviously Britt Bennett with her experiences growing up as an African-American and Danzy Senna as her experience as a biracial child, I think um, it just lends a kind of a, a reality and honesty to it that you immediately feel yeah. like, I trust what you're saying to me. Um, yeah so yeah really really great book cool nice um okay what's next on my list it is the paris library um by janet skeslian charles i don't know whether that's how you pronounce the middle name of that but it's a cool name um so this was 100 percent a comfort blanket book by um this is literally like all of the things that i've been obsessed with in book form for many years like when i was a kid i i I got um like all my uh childhood books from my parents uh not so long ago they've been up in their attic and i sorted through to like figure out which ones i actually wanted to keep and which ones i should be charity shopping or whatever um but there's so many wartime historical fiction books like from a really young age so like literally from when i was 10 that this was the genre that i would go to right um i don't i don't know why that is is that weird (laughs) (laughs) maybe um but i love it i love a good um wartime historical fiction we've got dual timeline which apparently is something that i say too much (laughs) um (laughs) but i love it so there you go um but yeah we're we're um going between 
uh, wartime Paris, um, and then 1980s uh, Montana. And uh, we are mostly following the protagonist Odile, um, who is a librarian at the American Library in Paris. So it's called the Paris Library, but actually it's about the American Library in Paris. <laughs> Just a, another added level of confusion. Yeah, we, we're mainly following her journey through the occupation and how the library stayed open, how it um, was serving its customers throughout uh wartime um really really interesting it's in a library so obviously that's a beautiful setting the writing was really nice i loved the two protagonists um so the odile is the one i've mentioned already who's the um one in paris um and then lily in uh, montana who's a teenager who befriends her uh older her elderly slightly strange neighbor Odile um so she's somehow ended up we don't know how but she somehow ended up in America all these years later right. and sort of as we go through we figure out what's happened and uh yeah it's a really sweet sweet book because obviously there's like this little blossoming friendship between the elderly lady who's not really not really made any good friends or connections in mm -hmm. she seems like a little bit of a outsider um in america and um yeah and and the young girl who's had a slightly hard time of it as well and um, with various things going going on at home um so that relationship was really nice all of the relationships within the library all the characters within the library were brilliant they're based on uh real life characters um okay. all of the ones in uh the paris portion oh. of the book um yeah really really interesting um and it's also beautiful it's like the most gorgeous cover yeah like baby blue and rose gold and i absolutely adore it i would just i'd frame the book if i could <laughs> Um, no, I loved it and I would highly recommend it. I haven't seen that many people talking about it, to be honest, but it was dead good. And if you like stuff like I like stuff, <laughs> if you like the stuff I like, <laughs> if you like the things I like, then you'll like it. <laughs> okay. That sounds really go. cute. I, um, I thought you were going to say when you were talking about um, books that you got from um, your parents that... I, as a child, set up a library in my garage for all of the neighbourhood children to the point that I had, like, a stamp, you know, like, the date stamp of, like, this is when it's due back. Yeah. And I would lend out the books. Um, I wouldn't give them another book until they brought me back the old book. And I had, like, notebooks with everyone's names and what book they borrowed. And when I got my books oh my God. <laughs> from my mum, they all still had the little like handmade library library cards yeah i'd put them all inside like every book was labeled and it had date stamps on it like i was a real nerd <laughs> for books That's i amazing. was a real nerd for books so yeah your um wartime with my love of a library i feel like that yeah. um is a is a match made in heaven that book 
Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I really loved it. I think this that's probably my top read of like the last month. Um because yeah, just complete comfort blanket. Yeah. And it was really well done. So Okay. What's not to like? Nice. Um this is entirely different. Um but I guess maybe <laughs> more like my comfort genre in that it's a really dark yeah. humour book uh, which is With Teeth um, which I was sent by the Little Brown Book Group it's by Kristen Arnett and it's only just come out in the last few weeks um, I'd read her debut novel and really enjoyed it so I was not going to say no when they offered to send me a copy of this one um, and it uh, follows a queer family so two lesbian mothers with their teenage son um sam and it's i guess a story of re self-acceptance as a mother um as which is one of the things that i'd said it's not just for parents but for me it hit me at just the right point i've got a preteen and teenage son and um as the the mum to a teenage son the gap between of communication between what they're thinking and feeling as a teenage boy and what i know and want to kind of smother them in as a a woman is so so vastly different um yeah it was really comforting for me to read that in a book um right it's very honestly written I think I'd read things um, when I'd seen it that um, it's she says the things that parents are too scared usually to say, which you do sometimes feel like there is no way that you've got any connection with this. I mean, for me, my eldest is taller than I am now. He's got a moustache and shaving. And I look at him sometimes and I'm like, where did you come from? <laughs> um, and how do I speak to you? Um but it's almost taboo to have those conversations and to say this person that's now just living in my house, I don't know him, I don't recognise him. She says all of that in this book whilst also right. tackling um, the taboos of um, queer family dynamics, which thankfully is becoming far more prevalent and commonplace and normal as it should be. Um, yeah. The kind of um, expectation that within the gay community there isn't necessarily that settling down and and having families. So losing half of your personality and half of your kind of friendship group, all of the, the things and, and people that you used to enjoy because you've chosen to settle down and have a family, um, mm. all of that is super relatable, whether or not you identify as queer or straight or whether you're a parent or not. Um, learning about yourself as you grow as a human being i think it's it's a really great book for that and funny she's a very funny writer um and it's set in florida which just made me feel like i was on holiday because it was like all of this like tropical heat that she kept writing about and i was like oh this is great i just feel like i'm sitting on a balcony in florida somewhere um but yeah really good fun um interesting and thought-provoking cool nice good stuff uh i'm on to my last one fly we're flying through absolutely flying 
Um, so my last one is, um, it's also a humorous book, sort of. Um, so this is The Lock-In by Phoebe Luckhurst, which I'll admit I primarily got because I liked the colour of it. Um, <laughs> so it's like this lovely minty green and the cover's kind of cool because it's got, it's got like a... A, a hole a keyhole in in the cover see oh and cute i'm just showing hannah it so <laughs> and so the, like, it goes through to like the the scene of the house um on on the main hardcover so i i bought it for that and the fact that it was four pounds fifty in sainsbury's <laughs> shout out to sainsbury's and their book bargains if they ever want to sponsor us then great <laughs> I don't know about this one. Um, so it's a debut novel um, by Phoebe Luckhurst. She's a features editor of the Evening Standard. So she regularly appears on their podcast, The Leader. So she's a podcaster. And she likes the OC and bought a micro pig. That's interesting. Um... I think that it wasn't very funny. <laughs> <laughs> so it's billed as like a romantic comedy type thing. And it wasn't, I mean, it certainly wasn't a serious read. It's a it's a light read. Yeah. Um, and I read this when I had, again, a lot of stuff going on. So it was very easy, very easy to read, which was what I wanted. Yeah. Um, but it wasn't particularly... I mean, I didn't laugh out loud. There's been certain books that I've read recently, like the more light reads that I have laughed at. Um, this one, I was just kind of like, oh, okay, yeah, that's nice. Um, so I think if you want a book that doesn't tax you in any way, shape or form and you just like read just read it, um, then you might like this, you know? Uh, but someone on the front says it's hilarious from the evening standard is that who she writes for <laughs> i think they're biased <laughs> did she write that herself maybe <laughs> someone from the evening standard who she writes for says it's hilarious anyway um the general premise of the book is that uh we have three housemates two girls uh one boy the two girls have been to university together the uh, bloke that lives with them is uh, j- just someone that they found on the internet. It's one of these like room share things. It's very much um, it's very London centric. It's in it's in London. I feel like nobody lives like this unless you're in London, right? Because they're they're meant to be in like their late twenties, uh, and they live like students. Okay. Uh, no shade on people who live in in London, but I know that it's a lot more expensive. So a lot more people live in house shares and that in later in later in their lives yeah that's just a a fact fact of the matter whereas like i'd bought my house by the time i was 26 yeah so like it's not like it's not the same is it yeah um so anyway so they're three housemates two best friends is what they say one old flame so this is where it starts to get interesting uh one of the girls 
um, brings home a guy that she's been speaking to on some dating app. I I have no idea about dating apps. Again, we've talked about this in pa- in the past. We've yeah. we've got zero experience <laughs> of them. So anyway, she's found this guy on a dating app, and it seems to be going reasonably well. And they've had a they've had a nice night together. Um, and then the uh, there's a leak under the sink. The downstairs starts to flood. One of the housemates decides to go up to the attic because she thinks that's where it's going to get fixed. <laughs> She's unbelievably thick, apparently. Yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, then everyone somehow ends up in the attic, and the door handle falls off, and they get locked in. And it turns out the other the other girl uh had some sort of weird like MSN relationship with this guy that she's just started seeing. That's all kind of like in the first bits. Um but there's a lot of chat about MSN, MSN Messenger. And I don't know if you were an MSN Messenger person. My school we we were, mm-hmm. but I that was when I was at school. Literally like when I was it was like the early two thousands that I was on MSN. Yeah. Like in my maybe like year eight year nine yeah i think i'm the same pre-mobile phone yeah and then so this girl this is this is where i think i've got my most issues with this book is this girl is having like an msn relationship in 2009 i think that's too late that's far too late yeah of course that's that so my timeline was completely thrown off three yeah, yeah, three, four maximum, mm-hmm. I think. I mean, I might be wrong. And maybe this, I, I feel like it must have been based on the author's own experience. Um, but I think the fact that the, the, date, the dating of this book really threw me was probably why I didn't connect with any of the characters. And they just seemed, they seemed a lot younger than me. Mm-hmm because uh, they're meant to be millennials but who goes up to the attic to try and fix a leak under the sink i'm sorry but that's <laughs> no, unbelievably yeah, thick that's really stupid so i i automatically kind of switched off there um and it just seemed all a bit stupid yeah um, and the idea that if one of them is stupid enough to be like this leak under the sink let's go to the attic that three others of them didn't go nah that's that's really stupid (laughs) it's not it's not in the attic yeah exactly so it's a silly silly little book um which is yeah it's very light i think people will like it um but don't go in there thinking it's any sort of literary genius it's um like you can see any sort of twists and reveals it's i mean they're not really twists you can see everything coming an absolute mile off right so i've basically told you everything that you need to know (laughs) um so i hope that's not too harsh i like i did enjoy it to a point do you know what i mean yeah it was like one of those things i was like oh fine yeah it it served its purpose it was what i wanted it to be um but it's probably no more than that but it's super pretty. I'll take a nice photo <laughs> with it. <laughs> okay. Well, from one not literary genius to an absolute literary genius, this is um, a 
biography, not an autobiography, but it is a biography of um, the absolute genius that is Nick Cave. This is called Boy on Fire, and it's by Mark Mordew, who is um, a music writer turned music biographer. Um, There's not really very much to say about... I always feel like this, about biography or an autobiography. You're either interested in that person or you're not. If you are interested in Nick Cave... This is um, detailing the early part of his life and career um, and is spectacularly written for a fan of Nick Cave. Um, okay. What I enjoyed about it is that obviously my I'm not old enough to have known him in his kind of infancy as an artist. So this is all of the information about the bit before he came into my consciousness. Um, the bit okay. where he's like an 18, 19 year old punk in australia um breaking all the rules and just being a bit wild um and i i discussed it slightly with my boyfriend because he's a real nick cave fan as well and i kind of said oh you might really enjoy this and in the discussion we um we realized that actually he tends to like the the biographies of um artists after they've become famous with the exciting gigs and the shows and all of that whereas i much prefer to kind of get into the nitty-gritty of the struggles that someone gets through to get to that point. Um, yeah. All of the bit that's well documented of him being huge and famous, I've read it, I've seen it, it's been in the press. This is the bit that you haven't seen. Um, and it's very well written. He's um, had a very close relationship with Nick Cave over the years. Um, so if you like Nick Cave, it's definitely a book to read. Um so yeah there's not much more to say on that other than if you're a fan yeah. pick it up and read it um one of the things that it's it it had started in the forward the author writes and says that the idea had been to do a comprehensive biography of the whole of his life but um he nick cave suffered the loss of his son in 2015 and that kind of halted proceedings with regards to kind of writing and communicating and get, getting those stories backwards and forwards so he kind of had to reshuffle everything and just go well listen I've got an incredible amount of information about the early part of his life why don't I just really do that justice and the rest of it um there's a little bit in which he speaks himself Nick Cave and kind of says that the point of of losing his child um you become a different person there is before and after that it's like a line in your life so it almost is pointless to talk about the rest of it because it's a different human being. And I really resonated with that and understood that this is the beginning of person A and that line happens, yeah. that event happens and you are a totally different person. So to have it all in the same book sure. wouldn't make sense. Um, so I really okay. enjoyed that take on it. Yeah. So yeah, cool. That's that one. Nice. The last book that we are going to talk about, I've just in the magic of podcasting nipped out and and grabbed a special guest um because this was a buddy read that i did with alex say hello alex (laughs) um i'm honored (laughs) special guest (laughs) as you should be (laughs) yeah no 100 percent um long time fan first time caller caller. (laughs) amazing um (laughs) Um, yeah, this is a really special little book that we wanted to talk about, which we 
we found on our own actually and then have since communicated with the author and shh, we're trying to cultivate him as a friend um he's mike henneberger and he wrote um an amazing little book called rock bottom at the renaissance which is billed as an emo kid's journey through falling in and out of love in and with new york city um Ooh. <laughs> yes. Um, so we're, I think all three of us self-confessed emo kids, I guess, to a certain extent. Alex and I definitely. I think you're more emo than me, mate. <laughs> I'm, I'm, a new, I'm a New York fan though, so do go on. Okay. Um, well, this is um, from Mike Henneberger, who is music journalist originally, music writer, um, which immediately Alex connected with because that's what he does in his other life. Yeah. Um, and it's kind of a, a memoir written in a hotel room in the a hotel in New York. Yeah, the Chelsea Hotel. The Chelsea Hotel. Um, cool. We listened to the audiobook originally, which is um, interestingly done as kind of a mixtape memoir. So the songs that he references are played through the audiobook okay. to give you a kind of time and place feel as you're listening cool which was really really fun especially as it was a yeah. lot of songs that we both really knew well and connected with um it's a it's a hard read to a certain extent in that he struggles with his mental health but you know it has a happy ending because we spoke to him on instagram and he told us <laughs> um okay good <laughs> yeah. yeah i mean i've got the uh, the track list open here and um you know there's all the good stuff jimmy Eat world and bayside and uh mayday parade the dangerous summer alkaline trio death cab for cutie so it's kind of you know it really puts you in classics yeah all the classics yeah. it kind of really like submerges you in that kind of early 2000s scene yeah um for me even though it says it on the book cover kind of exactly what's going on it's not necessarily the book that i thought it was going to be i thought it was going to be more of an odyssey into like the music and into kind of his relationship with new york and the music that's what i kind of got from it at the beginning um it turns out more to be um finding the girl is what he refers to time and time again okay. uh the girl changes name throughout um okay <laughs> yeah she's um elusive uh and a lot of this is kind of him discussing you know trying to find love i guess in his early teens but obviously music is the soundtrack to all of it so it's super relatable i think for everyone who grew up Sure. around that time loving that music obviously the city is a nice backdrop to it as well um i love it there's a but i know you can all feel it um yeah i love it i think the book that i had in my mind was possibly better than this okay Oh, big claims, big claims. Well, you we can all it, tune in when we, when we review Alex's memoir. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God help us. Um, 
I really loved it. I think I didn't really go into it with anything other than just this is emo music. It's a it's a guy cool. of my kind of age, my era, and I I like to connect with people who have felt the same feelings that I have. He struggled with mental yeah. health and saw music as a kind of savior through that, which I really enjoyed. I think you'd like yeah. it also. You like a good playlist with your books as well, don't yeah. you? Which is something I cannot, I cannot deal with because I like listening. I, I like sitting in silence. I don't. Re- I'm I'm a musician, but I don't really listen to music, uh, apart from when I'm in the car when I'm not listening to audiobooks. <laughs> Isn't that weird? Aren't I a strange person? Um, but I can glean that this would have been right up your street. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think I've got a ready-made playlist. I've been, I've been like, <laughs> oh, you can't t- backtrack let, now. No, let me take back everything <laughs> I said. I did one hundred percent love it. I think I was just surprised that it wasn't the book that I had written it, like, yeah. like that I had written in my head. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, I I did love it. I love the way that he writes, and I love the way that it was read as well. Um, yeah. Yeah. But yeah. Cool. Okay. Well, yeah, there we go. That was a surprise. <laughs> I thought, we'll surprise. bring Alex on for a nice little chat at the end. And he's just slated it. I, You know, it, it, there's something <laughs> kind of problematic in, you know, what's the what's the film? The John Cusack um, oh, High Fidelity. You know, High Fidelity. Yeah, yeah. like his character isn't um, the best guy in the whole world. This is yeah. a similar vein of, you know, he isn't perfect. Um, he he isn't without his flaws. Um, yeah. And yeah, uh, I, I like I like the person that he turned out to be in the end. Okay, well, Alex is shuffling off to the side now so that we can wrap this He's up. Um, a He's marathon. Gone. You can probably cut like half of that. <laughs> a marathon of of a. Uh, I was going to say movies, not movies, books. That's not what we review, mate. <laughs> it's all gone to pop. That's a whole different whole different thing. <laughs> yeah. Cool. That was fun. I enjoyed chatting about all of those. Loads of good ones. Some slightly meh ones. and Yeah. And can't wait for Alex's book. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be a great book, apparently. We're not going to be able to say anything bad about it. <laughs> well, he does write well, he so does. I'm sure it will be very interesting. So, anyway. Cool, so I think that's it. So, you've had two weeks in a row then, hopefully, this has worked, um, of uh, our short stories. Job done. Cool. <laughs> Thanks for putting up with us again. Yes, yeah. Um, and we will speak at you soon and have a great week or two however long it is until you hear us next time happy reading everyone bye hi there thank you so much for listening to two girls one book podcast if you like what you heard we would love for you to like follow rate subscribe in fact just all, all that good stuff please would be fantastic you can also find us on instagram at two girls one book pod so come and follow us over there as well happy reading and join us next time